a very good evening, or rather afternoon, to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Otherwise on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. The show is produced by Hazel Makuzene and Derek Fordyce is our technical producer for today. You may reach us on 0892-102010, email otherwise at safm.co.za, tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. Now, on Sunday, I finished reading Janie Confidential, a memoir by Janie Allen. We talked to her about her remarkable journey, and she joins me on the phone from Johannesburg in a few minutes. Then clinical psychologist Hamida Bassa Suleiman advises us on how to embrace our daily losses, be they material or otherwise. And my lunch bite for today comes from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. She says, it is only when we truly know and understand that we have a limited time on earth and that we have no way of knowing when our time is up, that we will begin to live each day to the fullest as if it was the only one we had. Otherwise, on SAFM. Now I'd like to welcome Janie Allen to Otherwise. Hello, Janie. Hi, Shadow. Thank you for asking me. Well, thank you for, for, for allowing me to talk to you. Welcome home, firstly. Thank you so much. Thank H- you. How has it been since you arrived? Oh, my gosh. I've been overwhelmed by the kindness of strangers and some very good friends. Listen, I, I, when I finished reading the book, firstly, at the end, I, I, was, I, I wanted more. I wanted to know so much more because it was so very well written, firstly. Thank you. I love your wit. I love your phrasing of some, you know, you, 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 even in a, on a serious subject, you, you, you find something witty to say about it. So, and I think that made it great reading. Thank you. I'm so happy that you enjoyed it. Yes. Uh, talking about friends, uh, you you were betrayed a lot by a lot of your friends. Have you seen any of them? Those are still alive? No, I haven't. I kind of thought all the haters would have died off. Because <laughs> when I was being interviewed by Jenny Chris Williams the other day, she said, many people in this book are dead. I said, I had nothing to do with it. Jenny, I'm having a problem hearing you clearly. May we redial, please? Of course, uh, so of course. Th- yes, it is, th- it is rather unclear. Yeah, thank you so okay, much. Thank you. Because I don't want us to miss a word. Uh, I've, I've been looking forward to chatting to her. But mainly, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deal with many of the details in the book. But I, I, I really want to talk to her as a, as, a, as a woman because we all find ourselves. I think as I go through the book, I can identify with some of the some of the events or some of the feelings and i i think we deal with these emotions almost daily and i think some of us can learn uh, some one or two things from her resilience really um and 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 learn about how to deal with relationships and at, at, at what point do you give all of yourself uh to to a person or or not you know so, um, welcome, Jen- Jenny. I wanted to try my phone in the bedroom and see if the line's better. Well, here we are. I think I think we can we can hear you a, a, a lot better. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, is that Shadow? Yes, it is. Okay, Shadow. It's Marika. Just I'll hold you. Uh, hand you over to Jenny. Okay. Want. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Gary. I think we're going to have to work with what we have, Jenny. Okay. Now, now, coming back and 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 have, why do you believe that everyone was so obsessed about you, and um, of course the, the the biggest story of your life, um, and 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 whether you went to bed with somebody or not? Why do you think South Africa has been so obsessed about that? Well, Shadow, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe you could ask listeners because I, I I'm thinking elephants should consult 
the South African media about this. I cannot believe how after 27 years, mm. people still remember or talk about and And I wonder, though, um, if, if in, in hindsight, when you look back, do you believe that um, the Channel 4 lawsuit was the final nail in your proverbial coffin, as far as your career is concerned? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And is there anything you could have changed if you if you could now? Oh, yes, thinking I back, absolutely never, never anybody listening, never sue for libel, because that means that you put a value on your integrity or your moral character. And I think it's a dangerous thing to allow other people to decide what you are worth. And I was foolish and, and proud, and I didn't want you know these allegations to go on. Mm -hmm. But it hurt yeah, you more. Certainly, with hindsight, I would never, never, never. The only people who win are the lawyers. All the time, actually. <laughs> All the time. It's a, a David and Goliath kind of story. Exactly, exactly. Now, your, your adoption seems to have uh, impacted your life in a, in a way that, I suppose, made you... Um, seek. I mean, I, I thought if I saw you now, I'd give you a very big hug because I, I think that's that's all I, what I you need. Yourself <laughs> yes, I'm virtual hug. Yeah, but uh, did it affect your life a lot? Is is do, do you think that's what you were seeking all the time? A home, a place that uh, yes, comforts, exactly. love. Yes, I think that people need to belong. They need to know which herd they come from. And if you are adopted, it's as though the first few pages of your book, of your of the book of your life, have have been torn out. Mm. So you don't really know where you come from. And if you go to the doctor and they say, "Do you have a history of mental illness in the family?" You don't, you can't say yes or no. Mm. And it it does make one um, not, but not belonging anywhere does give you the advantage of perhaps belonging everywhere. And, and have you found closure as far as that is concerned? Yes, I think writing the book, um, writing the book was a cathartic experience. Mm. I couldn't read it for, for a long, long time. And finally, my publisher, Bridget MP, was, she said to me, have you read it? Have you read it? Because when I got the email that I had waited, I suppose, my whole life for saying, Janie's book, final edit, I didn't, I couldn't read it. And when I did, I started crying, weeping like a lavatory. <laughs> I can imagine, I can imagine. And, and I think you found a new career here because, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward to more books to read oh, and I think you've you. got so many other stories to tell because the, the, the snippets of this book that, that address so many other different issues. But I want to deal with relationships and friendships. Right. Because we all seek to be loved, we all right. we give all of ourselves, and sometimes unfairly so. Because I mean, you, your your last husband was was not a nice person. No, not at all. Uh, and and that landed you up in a shelter. You were homeless, and you know, I, have we? What can you share with us that would would give us the same type of resilience? And I'm not too sure at the time you 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 were dealing with it very well, but to get out of there, yes, and, and get out of it. Oh my gosh. I really think it, it's helpful to, to have a spiritual dimension. And whether you, whether you want to call it the creation or God or whatever, you can't do it on your own. You know, if I, I, there were very, very dark days. Mm. But I, I hope that this book will be some kind of inspiration to any woman who may have been or may be in an abusive relationship. And it is such a huge 
huge issue in this country. And women don't leave for many reasons. Some of them can't because they don't have money or they don't want to leave their pets or, or they're afraid. But I do, I do think that uh, women should be, women, the abuse of women is something that we should address immediately and more. Never gets spoken about enough. Because I didn't think you were going to leave. In fact, I wanted to, it is it, it it is just so sad to 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 read about you in that space and knowing you knew nobody else. You had no money. Nobody, you, nobody, and somebody. Uh, I did get when the lawyers obviously went through this book with many many fine tooth combs. Um, when we got to that chapter on um, the husband, the maze alliance. Uh, as it's happened, previous relationships, previous wives uh, wrote to me to, mm. to, to thank me because I'd written a piece on my blog. And they, they said the pattern was exactly the same. So, you know, it helps if people do have a support group. Um, I didn't have a support group. Mm -hmm. I, I knew nobody in this case. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And and um, then you 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 moved to to did you go back to the UK? Where are you working now as a as a waitress? I'm working in New Jersey. Are you still in the US? Yes. Because I thought so. Um, and and how did that come about, Jenny? Well, uh, Mario Ariani Ambrosini sent me to America to write. He said that he had a friend who needed a book written about his. Uh, business, which was a Christmas or something probable peak by the book. Some you can't make the stuff up. He has a Christmas tree uh, business mm -hmm. and the locals were complaining that he was polluting the water supply. So I, Mario sent me to America, which was not my you know, desired destination. And as soon as I started doing research, I realized that this bloke was um, was, was the guilty party. I thought it was a kind of Erin Brockovich story, but I told Mario that I couldn't write the book, and he, he uh, said to me, well, you'd better get off your bony ass and find something to do. <laughs> so I, I fetched up in America. And, and I, I, you know, I was really, I have to say thank you to everybody who came to my signings and speeches, and I was overwhelmed and very humbled. And Prince Bertolesi even flew to see me uh, in Cape Town. Well, fantastic. And I, I know you've kept a very warm relationship with him uh, ever since. I mean, yeah. he's been like big dad and yeah. advisor and uh, that relationship has kept you going for a while. Are you coming back home at all? Oh, I don't know. I, I have said this before, but I think Karen Blixen wrote God made the earth round so we can't see too far down the road. I am open to many offers. Uh, I have no idea. I just know that I have to go back right now because I'm missing my three American daughters, Mali, Breeze, and China. <laughs> Who's looking after them? Very good friends of mine. Um, and they will, they have their own little cottage and they will be having artisanal food and playing in the meadow. And they probably haven't missed me at all. I know, I know. And, and are you still into designer clothing? I would be if I had the money. <laughs> I have to say, Gavin Raja was fabulous. He, he gifted me with two amazing couture gowns, which I am going to raffle for some animal charity, but I, I will wear one of them tonight for my 
readers' events uh, at the for the the stock. At the, I think it's the Hyde Park. Now, what, what, I, what I love loved was your quote here saying, I'm learning how to rock the waves. I have invented a new way of being in the world. Now, if you could give us just two or three pearls of wisdom around that so we can reinvent ourselves as well <laughs> <laughs> to be able to live in, in the world. Oh, you know, everybody's experience is so different. But I would say the two most powerful words are I am. Mm -hmm. And if you, I know this sounds like a cliche, but if you're good enough for God, God, you're good enough for yourself. I think a lot of women have huge self-doubt and there's such pressure on them to look in a certain way and behave in a certain way. Don't be afraid of being alone and embrace who you are. Lastly, Jen, who, who would you think, who do you think is the most uh, pers important person to thank right now for just taking you through the paces when you left and when you came back. I know that a lot of people you don't want to thank uh, that you'd, you'd, you'd really rather forget and we won't call them by name because you've named them in the book anyway. Yes. But uh, the one person that you'd yes. really think was your rock. Okay, so when I was, I've been mewling in the restaurant, mewling, mewling, mewling. I forgot all about writing. Um, Bridget Impey, who is the publisher, the publisher at Takana, mm -hmm. Bridget called me from the Frankfurt Book Fair and she said, I want you to write your memoir. And she has believed in this book from the get-go. Um, a huge, huge team has been promoting me and, well, just driving Miss Daisy all over the place. Oh. So the Jakana team has been absolutely magnificent. Well, I think you but deserve. It was the well, I think you deserve the love. I just hope you write more books, Jenny. Whether you come back home or not, uh, we'll look forward to reading the next one. Bless you, thank you, Shadow. Thank you so much. You take care. Thank you. Big hug. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Jenny, confidential, a memoir. You have got to read it. It'll make you cry. It'll make you flinch. And you, the thing is with me as well, most of the names, and I suppose if you were here at the time when Jenny Allen was a, 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 a celebrity columnist, um, you, you would recognize some of the names. I mean, we people that were in the public eye. And she writes about them very honestly. And uh, I think you must get the book, especially if you're a woman, then do get it, regardless of what you think of Janie. But it, it, it really just will touch you. When we come back, Hamida Basa Suleiman is a clinical psychologist. We talk about loss, um, you know, when things go pear-shaped. Whether you lose somebody or you lose you lose your home just loss how do you deal with it at that moment how do you embrace that moment and we'll do that after this otherwise on SAFM now we're talking about dealing with loss no matter how big or small Hamida Basa Suleiman is our clinical psychologist hello Hamida Hi, Shadow. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for your time. Now, how do we embrace loss? And, and you know, we lose a lot of things, and I suppose it's, it's how we value them initially. 
Um, but do we embrace loss the same way, whether it's uh, a material um, object or uh, a relationship or a, another human being? Well, a grief or mourning of, of a loss of something is a natural response to loss. Um, it's the emotional suffering that you feel when something or someone you love is taken away. So, And the more significant the loss, the more intense the grief you will experience. But loss can be associated, like you've rightly said, with anything. So usually people say when you lose a loved one, then the grief is the most significant. But these days, you know, people can grieve the loss of a job or the loss of financial stability, mm. the loss of an unborn child, the, um, the loss of their health, the loss of a loved one's health. We mourn and lost a lot of different things and a lot of different people. And it's a natural response that we have to not having something anymore. Is it important to mourn whatever loss or however big or small it is? Because, you know, I see people walk out of relationships, for instance, mm-hmm. and and walk straight into another one without really taking it in that uh, that person is no longer going to be there, whether they passed on or divorced or just a relationship that's just gone bad, but which has been part of your very uh, personal life for a long time. Now, do I grieve the same way for that as I would grieve for losing my home, for instance? Well, the thing is, I think what you need to ask yourself is how important was that for you? Because when we lose something, right, we become very, very attached to it. So people can become very attached to their pets or to their house or to a person, but the level of attachment that we experience to all of these different things and different people is, is actually more or less dependent on the person and how much they've attached to that. So for one person, they might be very attached to the person that they live with, and that's more important to them than anything else. And if they lost that, it, wouldn't, it would mean a lot more than, say, if they lost their house. Um, and it really just depends on the person, the environment, the upbringing, their personality styles, on how much they love something, in order for them to, in order for us to determine whether or not that that, that attachment is more significant than something else. What are the dangers of not mourning that loss, or of of not grieving for that matter, and just putting it away and and not dealing with it? I think the thing you have to remember is if you don't face your feelings and you don't ask own up to them or if you pretend to be strong and you know not to, not to listen to yourself and see what is what is troubling about a specific loss the danger is for a while maybe you might you might be able to carry on but then there's always going to be triggers for that loss to come up again mm. and it's always going to it might come up at inconvenient times it might come up at a time where that's inappropriate and that's actually worse than not doing it at the time that you really deal with so for example if you lose um for example, if you lose like a job, right? You you know you tell your friends, your family, you know that you've lost the job, and they kind of rally around you and give you a lot of support and are there to help you. And if you're honest with yourself and your feelings about what it was like to lose that and what you're scared of in the future, then they'd be able to provide you with resources or advice or help. However, if you kind of burrow it down in the fear and anxiety that you might have around that, and you try not to think about it or you push it away. Later on, with just say, in about six months' time, when all of that rises up to, to a trigger that might be in your life for some reason, the thing is, um, it might not be an ideal time because now it's the main event or the stressor, the intensity of it is died down for everybody else, and you're not, you don't really have that support available to you. Um, but again, it depends on the person. Some people like to deal with things with people, and other people like 
wait for all of the drama around the loss to go die down and then to look into themselves or to go and deal with it privately without anybody else knowing what their fears and anxieties are about that loss. But the important thing is, is to face up to your feelings and own up to how you feel and deal with it so that later onwards it doesn't become an issue or it doesn't become even more complicated than it might actually be at the present moment. Yeah, because usually when you when you're dealing with an emotion of any kind, people just tell you to suck it up. You know, like like you know, put it away. You're stronger than that, um, mm. and 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 you then think, okay, I'll put my best foot forward and not deal with it and show my strength. And yet yeah. inside, you 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 you're in turmoil. You, you you're not too sure. What, and as you say, then it it it, it blurts itself out. At, at, at an inopportune time. But I want you to stay on the line because when we come back, I want to talk about, um, you know, th- that, you know, the fact that suck it up, don't deal with it. But is it is it an opportunity then maybe to look on the brighter side and think, oh, what can I learn from this? What more, maybe the other opportunities that this is teaching me lessons learned from mourning or grieving but we'll do that in a bit please stay on the line for me Hamida otherwise on SAFM Hamida Bassa Suleiman is my guest and she's a clinical psychologist we're talking about embracing the moment when uh, you know when when you've lost something or embracing loss in in, in its own before we go to opportunities Hamida I want to know if um, one can practice uh, grieving or by starting to acknowledge just daily losses sometimes not as big as the, the the big one but if if for instance i i lost a precious ring today okay and i i don't find it um and and to other people it may seem you know just a ring but to me maybe helps me if i practice my daily losses helps me then uh, make myself re- or deal with my bigger losses better well, again, it depends on what that ring means to you. So if it was a wedding ring and you have a lot of sentimental value attached to that ring, um, then it would, you know, you would be able to, you need to explain to people that losing this ring is not just losing the ring, but it's losing a lot of things attached to that ring and the memory of that ring. Mm. But also, I understand what you're saying is that if you lose something and you try to not focus on the loss, you try to focus on what you have around you, that's important as well, but I think that comes at a later stage because it's important for us to deal with our negative emotions in order for us to deal with it, package it up, and put it away so that we can focus on the positivity around us. But see, the reality of the situation is that if you lose something and it's not focused accordingly, if you try and put on a brave face and you try to be strong and you try to be optimistic at the wrong time, the, the, the loss might come up later and it might become more complicated. It might turn into a complicated bereavement or it might lead into a depression or something like that. But nowadays in society, people have the tendency to want to get rid of things very, very quickly. You know, um, everything has to be has to be finished instantaneously and we need to move on very, very fast because mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of other stuff waiting for us. And sometimes when we lose something, it forces us to slow down or you have to force yourself to slow down appreciate the loss, give it its value, and then move on from that. It might take a little bit longer, but in the long term, I think, there's more benefit from doing that. So what are the steps one should take uh, to lessen the pain of loss? Because it is painful, and I'm not too sure. People will say my heart is sore, but it's really maybe also in the soul. Where, where do we locate the pain? Because sometimes it's in the gut. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and, you know, we, we, it, it sits in different places. But to lessen yeah. that pain, are there steps that one, and maybe if you, I don't know if it's possible to paint a picture of, of the kind of pain we feel so that we can identify it and maybe deal with it and let it go. Well, different people have different ways of dealing with their, with their feelings. So some people might like to paint pictures, some people might like to write about it. Poetry has been, uh, been known to be very effective in dealing with loss or the pain and feeling. Sorry, you said something, I didn't hear you there. You said people like to write about it? Yeah, people like to write about it. So they would journal their feelings or mm-hmm. they would write a poetry or they would write a story about it helps to express themselves. It also allows them to give an objective view about what they've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, other people tend to turn to family and friends, you know, speaking to family members, speaking to friends who have similar experiences. Um, religion is also a very, very strong um, a strong way of dealing with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, turning to your God ask, and, you know, looking introspectively from a faith, using your faith. Um, joining a support group is also very, is also very so it helps a lot because you have other people who then do the same kind of thing and mm. they provide support for each other. Um, talking to a therapist always helps. Mm. And just personally, though, it's important for everyone if they're going through a loss, whether it's of a person or of a thing or of a house or a job or their health, it's important to face your feelings and try to ex- express them. So, so I always say the first way, the first step to change is awareness. So awareness that you are feeling something. And then awareness is change. So once you're aware that you are feeling a certain way, then you can label it and then you can deal with it. And mm. dealing with it, like I said, um, can be with a whole host of different ways. So it can be music, therapy, or art, or writing, or journaling, speaking to friends and family. And it's important to, to give that loss the meaning that it deserves, to value it, and to appreciate it before moving on. Um, you know, not to let not to let anyone tell you how to feel or to tell yourself how you're supposed to feel, but just to feel and let it be for a little bit. Now, other people never ever recover from their loss. Why? Why is that? Because I've I've known I've known people that really every time I see them, they still talk about their loss twenty twenty five mm-hmm. years later, and they 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 always just carry this load of. You know, sometimes you want to avoid them because you know exactly what's coming and you can't, you try and give advice and it doesn't, it doesn't work. Uh, why do people, you know, never move on? Yeah, well, you see, um, the thing is, the sadness of losing someone, it never really goes away. It doesn't really go away completely. Um, and the thing is, people will always remember, but the way how they remember it is what, is what makes it complicated. So, for example, if they, the pain of losing the person, and it happened like 25 years ago, and the pain of that loss is still present constantly to this day, then we would call that like a complicated grief process. The grief, the mourning, the normal time that we allocate for mourning has surpassed mm-hmm. and it's become complicated. And some of those symptoms, like you're saying, of death is like intense longing and yearning for the person that's gone or extreme anger or bitterness. And then fond remembering, like, you know, reminiscing about the person and the mm-hmm. time that they have together. That's a little bit different because you're moving on with your life, but you're still thinking about that, but not so intense, intensely and so explicitly that you can't forget, you can't concentrate on the present that you do have. Mm-hmm. But, but depending on the attachment that you had with that person, it might last forever. It might last until you pass away. But, and that's because that's sadness of losing someone. But it's, it's important to be able to, to make sure 
that you don't become, that it doesn't become same stage in your life again, that you're not constantly giving, that you're unable to move on. Is it not? Is it not some kind of attention seeking because you feel sorry for them? You want to, you know, comfort them. You want to, you know, do things for them, and maybe that's the only way they deal with themselves in the world because. Every time they mention this, then they get the love, they get the hugs, they get the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, they, they, the, the, the space, they occupy the space of a victim. And, mm-hmm. and it, it, it can become a comfortable space for a lot of people, being a victim. And the thing, well, that's, that's true as well. People are very, very different. So we're not sure um, whether or not they're being manipulative and they're using that as an excuse to get attention from other people or if it really is genuine. I mean... You might be providing the hugs and the kisses and the support, but are they really asking for that, or are they just wanting to talk about it, or do they really, really want to use that to get it from as much people as they can because they're not getting it anymore because the one that they with is gone now. Um, it's, it's, a compli- it's complicated, and it's, it really is testament to how diverse and how different people are and how we can use what we have available to get what we want. So this victim um, person yeah. must come and see you, Hamida? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you guys are there. Exactly, uh, and that's why there's professional help, you know, mm. um, because I think professionals have a different. They've seen everything, and I think we've seen uh, everything across the spectrum. So when things become more severe than it than people normally deal with, then we have resources in order to deal with that. And the, the question we usually ask when something like that happens is somebody's losing the loss get attention from other people is why aren't they using other things? Why aren't they investigating or exploring other ways to move on with their lives and, you know, uh, to get better? Is it because they feel they're all alone? Is it because their identity has been compromised because that person was part of their identity? It can get very, very interesting. Well, you know, you, you, you speak about identity and I want us to come to that because it's also how you filled your your head with who this person is and the space they've occupied in your life. Because when when you, you didn't know them or when, when you hadn't met them, you know, you had other things in that space. But as soon as they came in, you, you created this other human being that is, is, is that you you look up to, I, I take it, and, and, and you, you, you love so much. And when they're gone, so how do we rewrite that space and, and create create somebody else to fill that space? When we come back, I want to talk about that, Hamida. Stay, stay with me, please. Otherwise, on SAFM. We're talking about loss and dealing with loss with clinical psychologist Hamida Bas- Basa Suleiman. Did I say that right, by the way, Hamida? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's too late now because I've been calling you. <laughs> So, you know, I, I know I'm being abstract about this, but, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find some solutions and answers for people who, you know, you mourn, I think it leaves a gap, but you need to fill that gap uh, with something that will help you move on with your own life. Mm, so how do, we, how do we create that opportunity to, to fill that gap? Um, the thing is, we have to remember, right, so when, you, when you're in a very long-term relationship with someone, like I said, they become, they become part of your identity. So they actually hold a mirror up to you. So you usually, usually use that person mm. as an indicator for, for how you're feeling and how you're doing. And when that mirror or that person is taken away, you will feel lost and you will feel 
you know, unable to do anything because a part of a huge part of the identity is gone. And the thing is, um, I I still think that if you if you process what you've lost, right, you will feel more equipped with mm-hmm. the acceptance of that loss to move forward. And the thing is, there's lots of there's lots of cases and examples of people who lost loved ones and who were able to move on. Mm-hmm. And what helps them through that is, like I like I said before, like you know, turning to religion. Uh, creating support for themselves. So when they go through the highs and lows of grieving, because this is not a straight process, you know, there's no like beginning and end. Um, mm-hmm. It's more like up and down. Some days are better, some days are worse than others. And the thing is, you have to have things in place in order for you to help deal with the loss as you, as you experience it. And people have found, like I said, accepting their feelings, expressing it, sharing it with other people, and also trying to find others, trying to find things to re kind of redesign their identity and, and redevelop it so that it becomes something new, so that they have something else to hold up in front of them as a mirror of how they are. And there's lots of different avenues that people can go down depending on how who they are and what they like and what they would want to do. You know, because often what works for one person might not necessarily work for another person. Well, I think so, everyone can start a new hobby, and at least it it, it can contribute and, to that. And the, but the thing is, it also varies according to age. So if you're a very young person or a middle-aged person that's lost someone, you would cope with it very differently compared to a very elderly person who's lost someone. And mm. um, mm. the way that we would cope with is also dependent on our age, on our societal expectations, on our religious expectations, cultural expectations. Um, and so it's really up to the person and what they have available to them in order to decide how they would deal with specific loss. Mm. So, Hamina, if people want to continue having this conversation with you, where do they find you? Okay, well, they can look, up, look me up on my website, which is www.hbs-psychologist.co.za, mm-hmm. or they can just Google my full name, Hamida Basa Suleiman, and all of my information is on my website, and I've got lots of ads and profiles on different forums. Well, I thank you so much for your time, and we'll give out that website again. And thanks for your knowledge. You have yourself a great day. Okay, thank you so much, Shadow. It was nice being on your show. Thanks, Hamida. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you have it. hbs-psychologist.co.za if you want to continue that conversation with Hamida.